listening to the Trinity Church Chester Sermon Podcast. Trinity Church Chester is a new church seeking to reach the city with the good news of Jesus Christ. And at the heart of our ministry is our Sunday worship service, in which we hear a sermon preached from a particular part of the Bible. We're glad you're listening. We'd love to see you in person at the Welsh Presbyterian Church Building on St. John Street in the city centre. We meet there every Sunday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and you can find more details on our website trinitychester.church Come and join us as we seek to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Scripture reading now is from Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 to 17. Let's hear the word of God. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbour, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Amen. This is God's word. Uh, Well, if you've been with us throughout the autumn, you'll know that that, uh, here at Trinity we've been preaching through the Ten Commandments, uh, the law that God famously gave his people to live by. Uh, We've been taking one commandment each week, and today we're up to the sixth commandment, which we read a moment ago from Exodus 20, verse 13. You shall not murder. Uh, If you glance down at the passage we just read at Exodus 20, you'll see that this is the first of four short commandments, uh, relatively simple commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. And because they seem relatively straightforward to most of us, because it's generally accepted that these four things should be prohibited in our lives and in our society, we can sometimes find it easy to just rush past them and gloss over them. Perhaps that's especially the case for today's commandment, you shall not murder. Because almost all people in almost all places throughout history have instinctively recognised what an evil thing murder is. And so we hear the Sixth Commandment read out, and perhaps most of us, we barely give it a second thought. 
I want to suggest to you that this commandment, you shall not murder, it covers so much more than we might at first grasp. And there is a beauty to this commandment, which perhaps we don't recognise straight away. So I want us to look at three things today. The meaning of the commandment, the beauty of the commandment, and the God of the commandment. First of all, then, the meaning of the commandment. What exactly do the words, you shall not murder, mean? Well, part of the reason we feel as though we can easily box off the Sixth Commandment is that we think we know what murder is. Uh, Whether or not we're familiar with this definition, most of us would understand murder to be what is defined in our country's law. Uh, Murder, according to UK common law, is where a person of sound, uh, sound mind and discretion unlawfully kills any reasonable creature in being and under the king's peace with intent to kill or cause grievous bodily harm. Now, that's, of course, a carefully worded, somewhat technical definition, but it essentially defines murder as when a human being kills another human being after intentionally setting out to do so, or at least intending to seriously harm the person. It's worded in such a way that if a person is killed as a result of an act of self-defence or as the result of an accident or as the result of a person being mentally unsound, then a death in those circumstances can be categorised as something other than murder. I expect that most of us, when we think of murder, we think along the lines of this definition. A human being killing another human being after intentionally setting out to either kill or seriously harm them. But when Jesus preached... One is probably the most famous sermon that has ever been preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. He showed us that the Bible's definition of murder covers more than what we tend to think of when we think of murder. Matthew 5, as part of his sermon, Jesus interpreted two of the Ten Commandments, one of which was the Sixth Commandments. And we read, uh, we read even in Matthew 5, verse 21. It's printed on on page one of our order of worship. Uh, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Now, Uh, We're not going to look at everything Jesus said there in great detail, but do you see his main point? His main point is that murder, according to the Bible, is not only the physical act of an unlawful killing, but the Bible's category of murder includes anger, expressions of anger, anger and hatred. And when Jesus taught this, He wasn't offering a new interpretation of the command to not murder, but he was interpreting it as God intended it to be interpreted. The people he was addressing, the Jews of his day, they hadn't interpreted in that way. Jesus' teaching on murder in Matthew 5, it would have been just as paradigm-shifting to those people as it could be for us today. They would have been working with a similar concept of murder similar concept to what we generally have. Uh, They would have believed, just as most people today believe, that as long as they had not allowed their anger 
or their hatred to explode to the point that they have killed someone, then when it comes to the sixth commandment, they were in the clear. But Jesus says, no, even the anger and the hatred that has given way to you insulting someone, to you lashing out at another person with your words, that is a breaking of the sixth commandment. That belongs to the category of murder too. Now, we need to be clear. Uh, The sixth commandment certainly does forbid the type of killing envisaged in our country's definition of murder. And we should be clear as well that we see elsewhere in the Bible that, as is the case in our country's definition, God does not view every instance of a human being taking the life of another human being as murder. Specifically, when a human being kills another human being because they're acting in self-defense, defending themselves, their family, or their nation in war, when another nation attacks them. Killing in those instances is not forbidden by the Sixth Commandment. Nor is, according to the Bible, capital punishment forbidden by the Sixth Commandment. That is, a person being put to death by the state as a just punishment for the evil that they've committed. But what is forbidden is the kind of premeditated setting out to cause harm and physically ending a person's life. What most of us instinctively recognise to be murder, that certainly is forbidden. But that is not all that is forbidden. Because we've seen Jesus places unrighteous anger and unrighteous expressions of anger in the category of murder. The Apostle John, as well, in in 1 John 3.15, he writes... Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. What John is showing us in 1 John 3, what Jesus showed us in Matthew 5, is that we should not think of murder as only what we do with our hands or with whatever instrument might be used to end the life of another human being. But when we think of murder, we should also think of, perhaps primarily think of, what takes place in our hearts all of the ways that we are angry in an unholy manner, the hatred that we store up against others. And we should think of the various ways that we express that anger and that hatred as also belonging to the category of murder, even if they don't take the full-blown expression of ending another person's life. That's what is envisaged with the command, you shall not murder. Now, Just think about that for a moment. Just think of all the ways that we can be angry with others and all the ways we can store up hatred against others. Think of how when we see someone else doing well in their work, in their relationships, whatever it might be, and our response is not to be pleased for them, but to be filled with a kind of envy, wishing that we had what they have finding ourselves strangely content when something bad happens to them. In those instances, we are, in a very real sense, committing murder in our hearts. It shouldn't surprise us, should it, how often murder in a physical sense follows desires just like those. A person is killed for their possessions or out of jealousy, out of a desire for selfish gain, 
because those are the desires that belong to the same species as the act. Think about, think about what we're doing when we speak to someone about another person and we slander that person, we dishonour that person and our hope is that that particular person will be lowered in the esteem of the person we're talking to. We want to run their name through the mud. We're in a very real sense murdering that person's reputation. Committing murder against the person, and the Sixth Commandment forbids this. When we give someone the cold shoulder, the silent treatment, we're not in essence wishing that they were dead. When our words have a violent nature to them, when we bite and we snap and we scoff and we argue, we're guilty of the things that belong to this same category of murder. When our expressions have a sharpness to them, when we roll our eyes or we shake our head or we screw up our face as though to dismiss or mock another person, we are breaking the sixth commandment. John Calvin once wrote, If in act you perpetrate, if in endeavour you plot, if in wish and design you conceive what is adverse to another's safety... You have the guilt of murder. And so this command, you shall not murder, the command we so easily scroll past as though most of us could just put a tick in the box next to it, it exposes all of our anger and hatred and the various ways that we express it. It reveals to us that in our hearts, as well as in our actions and our thoughts, we are not as upright as we might like to think. Because when God forbids murder, he forbids all of these things. This is the meaning of the commandments. But secondly, there is a beauty found in the commandments that we ought to recognise. And we begin to recognise it when we ask the question, why? Why does God forbid murder? And the answer is that he forbids it because to him... The life of a human being is a precious and a valuable thing. It is to be preserved. We see this in what the Bible teaches about human beings being made in the image of God. At the beginning, uh, when God created the world and created the human race, he created us in his image, we're told. Those are the famous words of Genesis 1. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. But then, in Genesis 3, though, sin enters the world, and it's not long, is it, before we encounter the first murder. Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel, and Cain became angry with his brother Abel and killed him. And ever since, the evil of murder has been a feature of human society in the pages of the Bible, in the pages of our history books, and in our lives. And the real evil of murder is found in the fact that when a human being kills another human being, they kill someone who bears the image of God. God declares that very point in in Genesis 9 verse 6. He 
said, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. The reason God permits capital punishment in the Bible is the just punishment for murder is because the real evil of murder lies in the fact that human beings are made in the image of God. And because we are made in the image of God, the life of a human being is of immense value. It's to be preserved, not ended. Part of the beauty of the sixth commandment is that it presses us to see the value of human life. We're commanded to protect and preserve it. Now, do you realise the, the significant implications of this has for us? God has stamped his image on each and every human being, and in so doing, he has given each one of our lives more value than we could possibly imagine. This is why there are some other forms of killing that are forbidden by this commandment. The sixth commandment forbids us from taking our own life. It encompasses suicide. You do not have the right to end your life because you bear God's image. And the fact that you bear God's image means that the value of your life is not determined by you. God, in creating you in his image, has clothed your life in more value than you could ever perceive. And so when your life does not seem particularly valuable to you, when, the thing, when, when things get tough, when dark thoughts cross your mind, remember that the value of your life is not what you determine it to be or perceive it to be, but what God determines it to be. What God determines the value of your life to be is that it is a valuable thing because you are made in his image. In the sixth commandment, God reveals to us that his desire is that your life be preserved. In the same way, assisted suicide is forbidden by the sixth commandment. We don't get to determine when it's the right time to end the life of a fellow human being. Only God gets to determine that. In the same way, abortion is forbidden by the sixth commandment. We don't get to determine whose life deserves to be preserved and protected. The lives of unborn babies are to be preserved and protected because they are made in the image of God. He has determined their value. So part of the beauty of the Sixth Commandment is that it reveals to us how precious human life is in the sight of God. And yet from another angle, we we can observe more of the beauty of this commandment because when God commands us, you shall not murder, he is not only forbidding everything that belongs to the category of murder, but he is also requiring of us to do the opposite Uh, This principle is true of all of the Ten Commandments. When God commands us not to worship other gods in the first commandments, he's on the one hand forbidding us from worshipping other gods, yet on the other hand he is requiring us to worship the one true God. 
And in the sixth commandment then, we're forbidden from murdering, but we are also required to do all we can to preserve the lives of others. Instead of taking life, we're to preserve it. Instead of causing harm, we're to do good to others. We're to be peacemakers rather than those who cause quarrels and arguments. We're to strive to bear with one another, be patient with one another, rather than becoming frustrated with one another and angry with one another. And when we read in the New Testament of all the virtues that are to characterise us, all of the positive characteristics that we are to display, it's striking how many of them are in fact in some way the opposite of the desires, thoughts and actions that belong to the category of murder. So earlier in the service we read, for, we read Jesus' words from Matthew 5. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, to be meek is to be gentle. Now, to many people, meekness is viewed as a form of weakness, when in actual fact it's, it's simply the opposite of being irritable. It's the opposite of taking offence at the smallest hint of a negative statement that's directed towards you. It's the opposite of always wanting to fight and to argue in order to prove yourself and to assert your rights. Those things belong to the category of murder. But meekness stands in opposition to it. There's a tenderness to the meek person. There's a willingness to not be thought of very highly by others. There's no felt need to always be honoured and esteemed. Blessed are the merciful, Jesus tells us. He's speaking of the person who is willing to forgive, who's willing to let go when they've been wronged, instead of insisting on revenge and payments, things that belong to the category of murder. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says. Blessed are those who preserve and strengthen peace among us in our relationships instead of causing arguments and divisions, instead of seeking to turn others against a particular person, instead of alienating certain people and cutting them off. All things that belong to the category of murder. I think of Paul's words in Colossians 3, verses 12 to 15. He says, Put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Paul was writing to Christians, instructing them in what their lives are to be characterised by. But he wasn't, he wasn't providing a new set of virtues that God's people prior to the New Testament hadn't been instructed in. In one sense, he is simply unpacking the implications of the Sixth Commandment. This is what is required of us when we read the words, you shall not murder. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. 
friendliness and warmth or to characterize us rather than hostility and coldness. And so when we realize what is commanded of us in a positive sense in the sixth commandment, we see something more of the beauty of the command as it guides us towards a life of love towards others, seeking to preserve and enhance their lives. Yeah, with all that being the case, ultimately the greatest beauty of this commandment is what it reveals to us about God. Thirdly, finally, briefly, as we finish, I want us to see the God of the, of the commandment. These positive virtues that are required of us in the sixth commandment reveal to us what God is like. He is a God who is meek, who is gentle and tender. He is merciful and forgiving. He bears with us patiently in our weaknesses and our failings. He is abounding in steadfast love and compassion. His warmth is like the most friendliest of expressions that invites us to come and trust him. There is a beauty to the characteristics that the sixth commandment requires because they speak of the beauty of God. And this beauty is exactly what we see in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the embodiment of each of these virtues. He is flawlessly meek, merciful, kind and patient. He comes to us in the pages of the Bible, as it were, as compassion on two feet. And this perfect human being, the only one to ever fulfill all that is required in the sixth commandment, he was walked out to his execution. He was put to death, murdered, so that all of our murderous desires, thoughts, expressions, actions might be totally forgiven by God. And all who trust in him become like him. Warmth replaces coldness. Kindness replaces hatred. Compassion becomes characteristic as we seek to preserve in every way the lives of our fellow human beings made in God's image. Let's pray. Our God, once again, as we reflect on all that your word teaches us and all that it teaches us specifically in in this commandment, you shall not murder. Lord, we bring our many failings before you. We seek your mercy and your forgiveness. And we praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ who fulfills in every way your law and who has paid in full the payment required by our sins. And so we ask now in his name that you might renew us to live according to this commandment that we might put on compassion, kindness, humility, all of these virtues that we see embodied in the Lord Jesus. 
We pray that we would become like him. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Church Chester Sermon Podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to you. If you'd like to know more about the Christian faith and what it means to live as a Christian, please do get in touch. You can email hello at trinitychester.church or head to the Connect page on our website, trinitychester.church forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you soon.